0: Welcome into another week, another episode of the Swarmcast 24-7 Sports. David Eichel here, HawkeyeInsider.com. Special guest this week. Uh, you know I'm from Big Ten all-freshman team, 10.1 points per game, 47% from the field, including 46% from three, which is led the conference uh, last season, was a big X factor in Iowa's successful uh, season last year. A guy that not many people, I think, expected uh, to play as much as he has early, but uh, I think for those of us in the know, we weren't surprised uh, to see him. But hey, CJ, I'm glad to have you on, man, and really appreciate you taking the time out of a busy schedule as you guys prepare for a a big year upcoming. Yeah, no problem.
1: Uh, I appreciate it, David. I've been looking forward to this all day.
0: So I know you wanted to give a quick little shout out before we really got into some details right now about uh, a family member close to you. So I'll, I'll give
1: you the floor, say as much or as little as you want. Yeah, I appreciate it. I just wanted to give a happy birthday um, to my grandpa. His name was Charlie Frederick. He died about a year, year and a half ago. Uh, He would have been 85 today, Um, but he was a really big uh, role model for me. He was really instrumental to my basketball. Um, Just a great man, a man of faith, family. Um, You know, when people say like, what's your why? When I was in high school, I really didn't have a why. It was just the love. I just love playing. Never since his passing, he's been my why. You know, when I wake up and I don't feel like going, I do it for him. Um, you know, I have a some little something tattooed on my arm for him. Uh, you know, I think about him every day. I talk to him for every game. Uh, but just wanted to give him a quick shout-out, and hopefully he had a great day out there and continue to watch over, watch over me.
0: Yeah, I you know, it's interesting you bring up your wife, CJ, and it seems like, you know, from an outside perspective, you always talk about, you know, how close you are with your Uncle Joe, you know, talk about how close you are with your family. I mean, it seems like you guys in general, I mean, you guys seem like a really, really tight-knit family. Yeah, you know,
1: I come from a pretty sports-related family. Uh, you know, a lot of my, I mean, my dad played at a high level. My aunts and uncles played at a pretty high level. Um, you know, not many people know, but my grandpa played football at Notre Dame. And uh, he was an AD for over 30 years and is a pretty big icon in uh, the Cincinnati area. But he's basically the one that started it all. You know, a lot of the grit you see uh, comes from him. You know, after games, a lot of people would tell me how well I did. He's the first one to tell me what I did wrong and what I can do better. Um, but, yeah, he was just kind of that role model and that led down to my uncle because obviously he worked, worked me out a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's the one who basically instilled it. So it's kind of interesting. I mean, I,
0: you know, I think a lot of the media members have talked to Joe. And Joe's pretty, pretty diehard in Notre Dame. And if people aren't aware, I believe he played uh, under Fran. Oh, Fran was an assistant at Notre Dame at the time, which is a, a, probably one of the biggest reasons you ended up coming to Iowa in the first place, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah, my Uncle Joe, um, since about my sophomore year when my recruitment started to ramp up, I would say the first major Power 5 school to really show interest was Iowa. Um, and Fran was kind of just straight up honest with me through the whole process. Um, and I just heard all the great stories my uncle had with Fran, um, how close they were. And kind of outside of basketball, it was more like a family. And that's always something I've wanted um, in a basketball program. And, you know, I just want a lot of the I fans to not take for granted um, Fran being here. You know, he's one of the best coaches in the country. You know, he gets, he gets a lot of hate for no reason. He's a great man. He's a great coach. Um and he's he's a big part of a lot of this
0: uh success. So I know I think we talked about this a little bit before we kind of get into your more background, real quick. For I mean, like I said, this could be pretty, pretty informal, but I really want to kind of dive into uh some of the stories that I know you got to ask about all year about, you know, stories from Joe and, and Fran. And but I, I've always kind of wondered how, how have the stories kind of matched up to your experience with Fran? I mean, are they pretty similar or is it Pretty yeah, drastically
1: so, different. It's a little different because obviously the relationship from the head coach to the assistant is a little different. Mm-hmm. So Fran was an assistant at Notre Dame with my uncle. So their relationship was pretty much, you know, he was the guy that always checked in on the guys, like, how are we doing? Um, but before games, whenever it was Fran scouts, he'd always go to my uncle and be like, you got me today, Freddie? You want to take care of me today? Because, I mean, if it was a loss, you know, Digger, Digger would let you know about it. So he'd always – he'd always just have my uncle's back and, uh, you know, just joke around. But, you you know, it really doesn't change now. Um, You know, we still talk every day about family. Um, He always asks how my family's doing first thing. Nothing about basketball right away. It's always, how's the family? How's your mom? How's your dad? And then how are you doing? So that really – and those stories uh, still – they're the same way. You know, before games, he's like, you know, take care of me. You're going to ball out today. So it's the same thing, you know. So going back to – I want to kind of go back before you got into high school.
0: I know you, you were asked a couple of times this year, but I kind of want to dive a little bit deeper into it. When did you really want to play basketball? Because what I think some people know and some people don't know is you, you were a pretty big kid to say the least.
1: Yeah. So I would say like a regular kid who just loves sports. You know, I, from about sixth grade to eighth grade, I tried about everything. Um, mm. Just didn't find my niche. You know, I always had love for basketball, but I didn't know if, it was gonna, if that was going to be it for me. Um, you know, I played soccer, um, basketball, baseball, football, tried about everything. And then I got to my freshman year of high school. Um, you know, a lot of people don't know this, but I was like the eighth or ninth man on my freshman team. You know, I didn't make the JV team or the varsity team as a freshman. I was the eighth man. And I remember after our first game, I didn't play. And I just sat in the car and cried to my dad. And I was just telling him how frustrated was I was. And I was like, I don't know if basketball is it for me. And you know I'll never forget that car ride. He said, "Stop crying right now. You're gonna figure out what you love and what you want to work hard in, and you're not gonna stop until you like you achieve what you want." So that sophomore year, I had a sit down with my high school coach, Scott Rusatz, and um, my uncle Joe, and I just say, "You know, basketball is what I love to do, and I I'm gonna trust you guys. Whatever you guys have for me, I'm gonna do it." And Ever since that day, I just worked extremely hard, 2 a days with my uncle. Um, I'd work out in the morning with my uncle, and then I would go do some uh, strength and agility with a place called ASAP, which was right down the street. Mm-hmm. And I'd come back for the afternoon and work out with my uncle again. And then I would go to my uncle's house up the street. We'd get some pizza, hang out, and then we'd play two-on-two two at night, and we'd do the same thing the next morning. So ever since my sophomore year is really when I fell in love with the game – Um, But to go back to what you said about how I was pretty big, you know, I was always chubby, uh, sixth to eighth grade. Um, I was just really slow, kind of that standstill shooter in the corner. Like, you just – if you leave me open, yeah, I'm going to hit a couple. But if you just get in me, you know, I'm not going to – I'm not really going to be productive. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, that kind of took a toll on me mentally because I was always just that – you know, that kind of, like, fat kid. You know, I didn't – I wasn't real skinny. I wasn't, like, real agile like the other kids. So, you know, that took a toll on me. But later on, eventually I grew about four inches, lost a lot of weight, and then things played out. Genetic. How much
0: weight did you end up dropping?
1: Um, I would say my freshman year of high school, I mean, I was, I was about probably six foot, and I would have to say I was about – 170. So, I mean, I was pretty big. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I grew to about 6'3, 6'4 the next year, and I just lost a lot. Like, I lost about 20, um, like 15 pounds. I was about 165, 160. Um, And then it was crazy because I've always been trying to lose weight, and now it's always been I have to gain weight. Yeah. So it it fluctuates a lot, but um, yeah. Well, I was going to say, I
0: mean, that's what probably the biggest thing that was keeping you why you had a red shirt season in the first place. And we'll, we'll go back a little bit more in a bit, but I want to kind of dive into this too, because this has been kind of widely documented, but I still think it's a, it's a, fu- it's this funny story about, basically there's two reasons why I think you red shirt. Correct me if I'm wrong. was one, you had to put on weight. Yeah. Obviously. or right? I mean, you, you got to Iowa. What? 165. Yeah. 170. Well, probably 70. The, the second portion is the the broken rib. So we, we've kind of seen it written about, but I kind of want you to retell the story from your words about what actually happened during that and yeah. how it kind of happened.
1: So I'll first talk about, like, the reasons why I registered. You know, obviously I got hurt. Obviously I was skinny. You know, the knowledge for the game was always there. But as a player, sometimes you got to sit back and you got to look at things and what's best for your career. And Fran basically sat me down. He was like, you know, offensively you're there. Basketball minds, you're there. Physically, you're not there yet. I think redshirting would just—it'd be a great opportunity for you to learn the offense, learn the defense, um, allow you to you know take some pressure off yourself, and just get in the weight room and work. So that was mainly the um, ultimately decision I made. But then, what really made me redshirt uh, was obviously taking the charge on Tyler Cook, um, and that's going to go down as one of the most painful injuries I've ever had. I've had a lot of. Uh, minor injuries, obviously, but that one, that one hurt pretty bad. So I'll talk about it. Um, We were doing a, like a four on four shell drill. If you're familiar with that. Mm -hmm. Um, And we just were not getting after it at all on the defensive end. Offense was scoring every time. Nobody was boxing out. There was no effort. And Fran just had one of his, one of his moments where he got into us and there's no heart. Nobody wants it out here. Blah, 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 all that. (laughs) So I was like, okay, like, this is my time to, you know, let people know I'm here. Uh, I'm not scared. Um, So ball got shifted from the corner to the opposite side. So I have to rotate. Mm -hmm. I rotate and I see Tyler Cook on the wing and nobody's guarding him. And he's coming full speed. I literally, I kid you not, just closed my eyes. I say, you know what, I'm taking it. I'm taking it. His knee went right into the side. He tried to dunk on me. Like he, he dunk on me. His yeah. knee went right in the side of my rib. And all I could remember is I flew about five feet. And I just couldn't breathe. You know, I was knocked out. I was gasping for air. Um, and I couldn't breathe. I mean, for about two nights, every yeah. time I moved in bed, I could feel the bone shifting in and out of my body. Um, so, yeah, that's the story. And ironically, you know, TC talked to me the next day and he was like, yeah, like, you probably shouldn't do that again. And I was like, <laughs> me, I'm not doing that again. You're good, dog. Is that your, uh, was that your welcome to college basketball moment? Yeah, that was my, uh, my uh, head scratcher moment and a little welcome to college basketball, yeah. And I think people know this too, but, I mean, you have
0: a different perspective of Tyler. And I think Jordan made the comment or Saul made the comment, Tyler looks like he's made an absolute lab. Like, it's one thing to watch him on TV, but when you're within a couple of feet of him,
1: I mean, that dude is built different. People don't get it. He is just naturally built and gifted. You know, he's so athletic. He's so powerful. Um, his arms are huge. His legs are huge. Everything He's so explosive. Um, yeah, he's just – he's a unit, honestly, you know. I kind of remember
0: – I can't remember what game it was, but he went down with, like, that, that twisted ankle. And, I mean, it looked – I can't remember what game it was, but, I mean, it looked really bad. I mean, I think a lot of people thought he was going to be out for the season or at least a couple months. I think he came back in, what, two games, if that. Yeah. And, I mean, I don't think people realize that it, You know, – I'll even say the same thing for you, though, too, because there were a couple of times this year where I think it was at the Indiana game where, myself included and a lot of people, the way you went down on that jump – I mean, yeah. everybody thought you were done for the year. I mean, I think you, what, missed two games? Yeah. Two or yeah, three? That
1: was up there for pain. yeah. Um, you know, a lot of that credit has got to go to our training staff here. I think if you did rankings for training staff, we would, be the, we would have the best trainers in the country. Um, the way they take care of us is unbelievable. Brad Floyd is the best in the business. You know, all the stuff he had to deal with this past year. Um, I had a lot of injuries – Like you said, you know, I could have been out for a really long time. And he got me back in Max. I think one of my injuries, I was only out about three weeks. Max was four weeks, which is unbelievable. You know, he just – he trusts the players. You know, he's not going to do anything that you can't do, but he's also going to push you a little bit to get you where you want to go. And I just spent a lot of time with him during this season. And he's basically – he is the reason why I was able to um, get back on the court sooner. So I'm going to just
0: keep bouncing around here, but I thought this was an interesting thing. I think Jordan Bohan did on his podcast, a standpoint when they were talking to Tyler about first impressions of teammates. I yeah. want to get your, I want to go through a brief rundown of some of the teammates and what your first impression of, of some of
1: your, <laughs> some of your teammates were. Uh, let, let's start with Ryan, Ryan Creener. Just, yeah. Okay. So first impression. So I came on my visit. And Ryan came up to me and said, like, I was already committed. He said, I'm going to take you under my wings. Like, whatever, like, just follow me. You'll be fine. I'm going to be like your big brother. So I was like, okay, like, I don't know. I was (laughs) after hanging around him for about two weeks. He is the funniest dude I have ever met. I love Ryan Creener to death, man. He is so funny. Um, We just, we had some great times together in college. Um, and playing together, so I wish him the best um, in his overseas career.
0: I think uh, I think people know this too. I think I think Ryan's skill set translates to Europe so well too. I mean, I I think he's going to be pretty damn good over there.
1: Yeah, he's just going to continue to get better too, and um, keep ranking up. All right, let's go with your roommate. Let's go, uh, Joe Weezy. Okay, so I came to campus, and you know we're kind of we kind of have the same demeanor when we're meeting new people, um, you know, we're not real outgoing. We kind of just let things, you know, we, we see it, we feel each other out a little bit. Mm-hmm. I'm not kidding. For the first week, I don't think we said a word to each other. <laughs> we really didn't talk at all. And I think the first conversation we had was about the bus route and how we were going to get to practice. Um, <laughs> So, yeah, but then we obviously got comfortable together and we just did everything together as freshmen and then we became best friends. Um, and we've been roommates ever since I've been here. Um, he's the best, you know, we're, we are a lot alike. Um, he's a great player, um, really good friend, um, just a great guy to be around in general.
0: What, people, what don't people know about Joe? Because I think Joe over the last years has kind of opened up a little bit more of the media. Uh, especially toward the end of the season, I think he really did. But what don't people know about Joe? Because Joe, I mean, you know, it's Bernard. Joe really keeps to himself for the yeah. most part.
1: And that, I think that's the one thing people really don't get about Joe. Is everyone thinks you know he's to himself. He's to himself. He isn't a way, but he also isn't. You know, me being a really good friend of his, he's actually very funny. Um, he has a sense of humor. Uh, he likes to joke around. Um, but yeah, that's what people don't get. He's he's actually a really good time. You know, people think he's yeah. just. So- all the time which he is in certain ways uh, but he's also like really funny and just really fun to be around well I, I think it does
0: get interesting though because and I don't blame him for this but like when he gets around the media I mean he tries to put on this just stone face like just pure ice cold I mean not gonna crack once he cracks though I mean he, he'll crack a little bit but, yeah I think I think when it just comes to basketball it's all business which is how it should be Talk to me about Jack Nunji, because I heard Jack Nunie was one of the best players in practice before the torn ACL. I mean, heading into last season, I mean, yeah. how good is he? And what yes, people don't know exactly. about his game. Um,
2: this episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the name your price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
1: So, being able to retro with Jack, um, we were able to spend a lot of time together. You know, we were in the weight room every day together, um, practiced every day together, worked out every day together. He's a really great guy. He's really fun to be around, also. But, I remember when we both came off that redshirt year, we both were playing pretty well in practice. Um, but he was – if there was one guy if, that I was like, whoa, like he's going to have a big year, it was Jack. I remember my dad called me and he was like, who's looking good? And I, and I said this in all serious like Jack Nungy is going to be an NBA player. Like he was playing that well. Mm-hmm. He was hitting 30 – 30-35 to 35 footers, he was contesting shots at the rim, he was dunking, he was getting rebounds, he was playing defense, he was setting great screens. Um, then he just had an unfortunate injury, he wasn't able to get into a rhythm, and then had to sit out. But look for him to have a really big year this year, and we're really excited to have him back, as well as j You know, he's going to be a huge piece back. So,
0: I, I think we asked you this at the time, too, but I think Brad Underwood – I mean, the Illinois-Iowa games this year were – probably some of the best games to watch this year both games I mean it was back and forth I mean especially I think this upcoming season with Io coming back with Kofi coming back you were called a pain in the ass by Brad Underwood I mean how much how much do you love hearing that and I mean is that what really drives you just to have that killer edge because I think what people don't know about you to some extent is you love the pressure yeah and you've openly talked about you want the pressure. You want the ball in your hand to make a play. And you and you've, you've came up early in the season. I think it was, what against Texas Tech, you hit the big three with a minute 20 left to really kind of seal the deal.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, obviously him saying that, um, it's kind of funny. Like, it's exactly what I want to hear. You know, I want to be that guy that a lot of people like to play against. Um, you know, my uncle and my dad, when I was, we'll go back to talking to them because they were basically the ones that taught me everything. Um, when I was in high school, they always said there's got to be something that's going to make you stand out and be different. You're a good shooter. Yeah. Um, you're a good passer, Yeah. But what's going to make you stand out? And they said, it's gotta be your edge. It's gotta be your swag. It's gotta be your grit. And that's just something I really worked on. I mean, you can work on it, but you have to have, you have to have it in you. Um, and I had it in me and I was just able to, it's just always something I've had. I don't know how to really explain it. I just love getting after it and kind of creating chaos and being that energy guy. Um. Yeah. So, so I got to ask you, so did Ryan Creener
0: come up with the Captain Clutch nickname for you?
1: Yeah, I think he did. I think that was Ryan.
0: I think he said once in an interview, I know there was somebody on Twitter that gave you the, uh, they photoshopped your face
1: on the Captain Crunch logo. <laughs> that was funny. I got a little bit, of I got a little shit for that. That was funny. Oh man. But, uh,
0: so just got, diving back in the last year a little bit, I feel like you know, as media members, to some extent, we, we've kind of worn out the narrative of how did you guys move past last year? I mean, obviously it was an unfortunate ending. I mean, for everybody involved, you guys, I mean, you guys, I know you guys felt like you were playing some of your best basketball of the season, uh-huh. uh, especially with, you know, the way the season ended with that at the Illinois game. I mean, I feel like that, that taste in your mouth, I know it's bothered Luca a lot and he's openly talked about how much that, that last play really pissed him off. Yeah, But so, I think what stands out about you guys hanging in next year is, I mean, you guys are probably one of the oldest teams in the country. I mean, with with, with with Connor, with Luca, with with you, with Joe. How much, how much do you feel like that's going to help you guys hang in next year? Because this is probably the most highly anticipated Iowa basketball season since the early 80s, early to mid-80s.
1: For sure. Uh, you know, we have a lot of experience, like you said. Um, you know, everyone in our starting five – or everyone who's going to be playing has had a year of Big Ten basketball under the belt. Um, And that's huge. Um, Big Ten in itself is just a whole different – it's a whole different beast. you got to come to play every day. And having that experience is what can separate you in a tough road game. Obviously, there might not be road games this year. uh, But even if there isn't, you know, that experience is going to help us tremendously uh, down the road.
0: No, we've kind of seen the NBA bubble. I mean, we're seeing some of the best, I think, NBA basketball, NBA playoff games we've seen in years. I mean, it feels like every game has been close. There's been a lot of exciting finishes. I mean, how much does the home court actually play, you know, into into how a game's gonna turn out? Because if you guys do in fact go in the bubble, I mean it's basically I don't want to call it glorified league because it's not, but I'm saying the type of environment. Like it's just the officials. It's maybe some family members, maybe. Uh, some officials. But I mean, how much do you really want to – how excited are you to maybe just play no fans and it's just all about, you know, who's the better team?
1: Yeah, I think you saw a little bit of that last year with the crazy, like, numbers if you were playing at home versus if you were playing on the road. Like, last year, if you had a home game, you were most likely winning that game. Um, and it's just – playing at home is – I think it's just more comfortable for players. You know, it's your rims. Um, it's where you practice every day. You know, you have a great understanding for the, the scenery and everything like that. So I think it's just a comfort level. Um, but like you said, I think this team, especially playing in the bubble, um, would give us a pretty good advantage because, like you said, we have a lot of experience. So we're not going to be phased by really anything different. Um, you know, we're probably one of the top teams in the league. So playing on a neutral, it would be. Playing on a neutral site, uh, no fans, is probably going to help us too. And you know, a lot of other players have openly said, you know, they love playing at Carver, um, and the numbers are pretty, pretty good at Carver. Other teams shoot pretty well there. Um, I'm not saying it's a bad experience at all. We mm-hmm. have great, but um, other players have openly come out saying they love coming to Carver. Um, so I think it just best team wins, and um, I think we got the best team in the Big Ten. So I, I would like it.
0: So take me back to last year. I mean, I, I hear different stories about guys, you know, going through the redshirt year. It can take a mental toll on them. I mean, did how how was your redshirt year? I mean, did it really affect you mentally whatsoever? Because I know some guys they struggle with it maybe about halfway through because they're saying, you know, if I was out there, maybe I could be making a difference. I mean, it it really is probably a long, a, feels like a long time before you actually get back on the court.
1: Oh, it's a it's a really long year. It just tests the it tests you mentally, it tests you physically um I think I had one little strand where I was like man I just don't feel a part of the team um I just but I continued to work um I continue to lift and just get in the gym every day and just remember the love for the game that I have um and that's really just what kept me going there was nothing different um obviously it was tough because I wasn't playing with the guys and you just like I say you just don't really feel mm-hmm. a part of the team uh, but you got to understand um in a year, you got to be ready. So that's what I tried to keep telling myself, you know, I got to get ready. I got to get ready. So a lot of people on the outside said
0: you exceed expectations your, your freshman season. Uh, how would you How would you feel like you stacked up? I mean, how did you go into last year? What did you expect out of yourself? And do you feel like you lived up to what you wanted to accomplish last year, just individually? I know as a team, it's kind of hard to rank that with everything that
1: went on. Yeah, that's kind of been um, what everyone's thought of me my whole life kind of. You know, it's everyone really hasn't been certain of me. They didn't know what they were going to get from me. And I feel like I just get better every year. I just continue to work and get better. Um, my junior to senior year, I got a lot better. And then I saw a lot of improvement my senior year to my redshirt year. And then I saw a really big improvement from my redshirt year this year. And I was really happy with the way I played. You know, I thought I shot the ball really well. Um, I didn't feel like I got rattled, really, for a first-year player. Um, I got a lot quicker. I got a lot more athletic, so I was happy about that. Um, but I'm working. I'm. I got my foot back. Uh, pretty healthy, so I'm starting to work pretty hard now. So hopefully, I can make another good jump here this year. Obviously,
0: I think you guys are you know the kings of downplaying injuries. I mean, <laughs> between between bo between Luca, between you, between I think Joe had a, a, a twisted ankle last year. I mean, how. How what what percentage were you playing
1: at last year in all reality yeah. looking back? I don't know. I'm Joe's roommate, so I don't wanna know that I think it was I think he hurt his ankle against Michigan State his freshman year. I think it I think it was, yeah. I'll tell you that thing was bad. It was bad. Like he could barely walk. Like he was he was he was hurting. And the next day at practice, we're getting ready for Iowa State, and he was like, yeah, I mean, I don't know. This is really hurt. I don't know if I'm going to be able to do it. So then we get the shoot around the day of Iowa State, and he goes, I'm playing. He just like activated another gear. Like it was, it was just like, yeah, yeah. I'm there's no doubt I'm playing. Um, and he had a great game. So I think, I, think a lot of, <laughs> I think a lot of it has to do with the mindset, um, just guys that are wanting to play, and then Brad allowing you to push yourself. Um, But I'd say throughout the whole season, I really never felt 100% at all. I would say there was a – before that – before the – I think it was the Penn State game at the Palestra, I was feeling pretty good. I felt 100% up to then, and then I went down with the Mm -hmm. stretch reaction. And then that – that was a really weird injury because it was one day it would feel good and the next day it didn't. So then finally it got to the point where it was like, well, if you feel good, like if you feel good, let's try it. So Northwestern, I woke up, felt great. I was like, all right, let's play. And then after that, I felt great. And I thought I was pretty close to 100%. I think I had two pretty good games against Michigan and Illinois at home after that. And I was feeling really good. And then we go to Indiana on the road. And then I just went down with another one. So I was never really able to just get back. Feel 100%. Mm-hmm. You know, I felt like I was just – towards that end of the season, I was almost playing not even 90%. Yeah. Are you feeling
0: then, 100% now after that,
1: I, that surgery you had about, what, five weeks ago? Yeah, just to go back for a second, you know, I was – I literally would play and then I would not practice. I yeah. would play the game. It would be so sore I couldn't practice. I, literally towards the end of the season, it just got to me playing the game. Just play the game. You don't even have to practice. Like, I couldn't practice, just play. So if that tells you anything, I I, probably, I was not 100%.
0: Um,
1: but, yeah, this summer I had another foot issue, um, and the doctors basically said, you know, let's, um, let's do the surgery, put a screw in your foot, and I think it'll, it'll get you back in six weeks and you're not going to have any problems. I'm around that six-week mark right now and I'm starting to do uh, live things and really starting to push it. I'm getting really close to getting back at it and being full go in um, full strength. Um, there's a couple of days, obviously, where I'm a little sore, but that's to be expected. But I mm-hmm. think I, I keep telling people, I think I'm a week or two away from being 100% again.
0: So you feel good going in next year, obviously. And I know, you know, the team feels like they're, they're going to be dynamic. So I, I guess, obviously, the biggest question, uh, but I want to phrase it like this. Iowa will get – Iowa will achieve its goals if what happens. So, what has to happen for you guys to be able to get the final four and what you guys want to do win the
1: Big Ten? I think the biggest thing for us is just staying together. You know, we have – we have the loaded roster. Um, we have the offense. I mean, we have the – we have the preseason national player of the year on our team. Um, we got a healthy Jordan Bohannon. We have a healthy Jack Nungey. We bring back Joe Weescam, you know Joe Toussaint. We got Patrick McCaffrey now. We have some. We have very good freshmen. Um, so we just bring back a lot of weapons. You know the weapons are there, but the what if is definitely we just have to remain locked in together. Um, you know we have to be one of those teams um, on and off the court. It's just a brotherhood, and I think. Um, this team, we definitely just have a love for each other and we're brothers, and that's really a good sign for a team like this. So you just have to be connected. Um, You know, you can be a really good team, but if you're not connected, you're not going to win games. So Mm -hmm. we just have to always remain connected. Um, And then I think this year, I think you're going to see a little bit more – I think the defense is going to ramp up a little bit. You know, we're really long, athletic, athletic.
2: Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today.
0: So how have the freshman been, I, I really let's start with, with Joshua Gundley. Cause I think he got to campus, what, not even three weeks ago, probably because he was stuck in quarantine in, in London, but how, how has he kind of integrated with, with the team right now? And how has he
1: been, uh, just how does he look? You want to talk about a first impression, man, that dude is funny. He's comedy. Um, day one, he is, he was not shy. Um, he was doing three-point contests, talking, talking a lot of shit. Um, he's not scared. He's just a fun guy to be around, um, and he's just going to be a good guy to have on our team. Um, and obviously, he's—I mean—he's a big dude, um, and he's actually—he's pretty—he's very skilled, actually. Um, I'm actually really impressed with someone who, uh, who's from London and just got over here. He just handles himself well, and uh, you can just tell he's excited to be here and just get better.
0: So how – again, I know people really want to dive in the freshman. How are the Murray twins – how are the Murray twins kind of integrating into campus? Because I know a lot of people – I don't want to say they're questioning uh, Fran's decision about offering them. But, I mean, you're you're talking about what, a pair of six, eight twins that can do a little bit of everything. But how have they kind of integrated with the team? How do they look? And kind of where do they bring the
1: table? Yeah, they fit in extremely well. Um, They're great guys to have in the locker room. And I think that's just what – that's one thing Fran does a great job on. He's not going to bring anybody who's not going to – He's going to be a good person, not get along with anybody. Um, and those two are great, great guys to be around. Um, and basketball-wise, I mean, six eight long. Like I was saying, um, they're going to help out tremendously on the defensive end. I mean, their wingspans are insane. Um, I remember in open gym, the, the couple games I played in open gym this summer, I think it was Keegan Keegan Murray guarding me. And I was like, man, like, I can't get an open look. This dude is so long and so quick and gifted naturally gifted, um, they're a great addition. You know, they're just going to only keep getting better, too.
0: So, I know – again, I know, CJ, I'm kind of jumping around on topic. Topic here again, Swarmcast, David Eichel, Hawkeye dot com, 24-7 Sports. CJ, I don't even know if I know the answer to this question. Can you dunk? <laughs> yes, I can dunk. Are you going to try to break it out in a game this year? Because I don't think you dunked once last year.
1: No, I never – all my friends give me a lot of shit, too, for not being able to dunk. But it's like, I can dunk, yes. But am I a superior athlete where I can come down and dunk on Jalen? No. <laughs> I mean, no. I can dunk, yes, but I am not dunking on six, seven, six, eight, six, nine. Like, I'm just not – I'm not doing any of that. But if I get a breakaway, I mean, I'm going to – hopefully, if I can get a breakaway this year, I can, I can dunk one.
0: I, I I really wish I could remember what team it was, but I remember there was like a you guys were going through one of those dry spells offensively and Connor was just getting hacked all over the place and he got so fed up and I think he tried to dunk on someone that was like six ten and the ball just like slammed against the backboard went halfway down the corner. I wish I could remember what game it was.
1: I think it was uh either Michigan or Illinois, Illinois at home. He tried to dunk on the whole team. Yeah. <laughs> to be fair, he got up a lot higher than I thought he was gonna be able to get up. And he got the foul call, too. So he was able to get some free throws out of it, too. So he just sent a little message there.
0: Yeah. So, you know, I want to talk about this. Now, that the more I think about that Illinois game, is there really any actual animosity between you guys and Illinois? Because Io's come out, and he's flat out said, they don't like us, we don't like them, but that's also what makes the game so great. I mean, is it kind of that healthy level of animosity that, like, you know what they're going to bring to the table. They're going to bring toughness. They're going to be one of the top teams in the country going next year. I mean, a lot of people want you guys to play about three or four
1: times. Yeah, I mean, I think it's pretty obvious we don't like each other. Um, you know, but at the end of the day, we're both we're both very competitive teams. So I think a lot of the reason you see the extra the extra activity is just because we're we're both just so competitive, two teams that just want to get after it. And leave everything on the court, but uh, yeah, they're going to have a really good team, um, and it's going to be—it should be an interesting year. You know, I can't—I can't find can't to happen, but uh, yeah, yeah, it should be fun for the fans and fun for us. You know, we just once we'll say bad blood, but we—we we do not like each other.
0: <laughs> so, so the more I've gotten, I guess, the more I've covered college basketball, the more I've kind of realized this, and I want you to kind of maybe shine a light on it. It seems like there's a lot of misconceptions from the public when they watch games on TV, or even if they're in the arena, if guys are chirping back and forth, I mean, it's not all just animosity. It's not all just hatred. I mean, it's just competition, right? I mean, how, 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 how much is that kind of misconception by the media and just in the public in general when it comes to that stuff?
1: Yeah, I think the, the media doesn't fully understand, you know, all the emotions that go into the game. Um, there was one time, I think it was after Wisconsin, um, I just said something. That I After, I was like, what am I doing? Like, I just get so animated in the game. Sometimes the emotions get the best of me, and I just start saying things. I remember I came back. Um, Alex Dickey, he's one of the man- team managers and one of my best friends. He's also my roommate. I came back, and I was like, Dickey, I lost my mind like I did not mean to say what I said and eventually what I said got leaked on Twitter and um I don't know if you remember it It was after those concerts I said get the f out of my gym do you remember that yeah yep yeah. oh yeah that's what I was talking about I literally was like why like I had why did I say that like I have no clue so that's just some, that's just an example you know in the heat of the moment things can happen and sometimes you don't mean it but that's that's the game well didn't
0: I think at the end of that game, though, too, I, what didn't – I, I, I don't want to point the finger at him if it wasn't him, but didn't Nate Rebers or someone in Wisconsin, like, bulldoze Luca and Luca was on the ground? Then Luca, I think, almost got a technical foul because he, like, ran toward the bench or something.
1: That's one of the reasons I was so upset um, after the game. You know, it was a great game. Both teams played extremely hard, and then there was a little bit at the end of the game. And I don't – I forget who it was, but – Yeah. Stepped over Luca and just was basically talking down to him. And uh, my thing was, I mean, if you're going to talk to him, at least let him, like, stand up. Like, say it to his face. Mm -hmm. Don't look for him and say something to him. Um, And then things escalated. And then after the game, I was just so fed up with it. And then I said what I said.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, that's the interesting part, though, too, is like you said, I mean, that was the first time I think you've really – I don't want to say lost it, but, like, that split second where something had happened. I mean, that was the first time I've seen Luca like, outwardly that upset. Yeah. I mean, even even against the call at the Minnesota game when he got fouled out on that, I mean, look, I'll call it what it was. I was, he didn't touch him. I mean, it was yeah. it was an awful call. Um, but I mean, even then, Luca didn't blow up at the officials. He didn't blow up at Oturu. I mean, but that after he got stepped over, I mean, he lost his mind. I
1: mean, yeah, I mean, I think if you do that to anybody on our team, you're going to get that reaction. Um, I wouldn't yeah. like. I don't think you would like that either. You don't want someone stepping over you and kind of. Yeah all that, but um, I think it just goes into what we talked about earlier, and there's so many emotions in the game. We were just – both teams were playing extremely hard, and both teams wanted to win. You just saw kind of that competitive edge get the best of players sometimes. You don't mean it, but that's just the game.
0: So let's do a little bit of rapid fire here before we kind of wrap this up. So, CJ, what's your favorite part of Iowa City?
1: Hmm. Favorite part of Iowa City? I would say that, um, definitely the people. The people are great here. Um, they're so friendly. Um, I'd say there's a lot of great restaurants around here to eat at. Um, but just the overall college atmosphere here, it's one of the best in the country, one of the best college campuses to, uh, to be on. So just that whole college experience here is is—it's uh, none other.
0: Favorite restaurant?
1: Favorite. Favorite restaurant in Iowa City. Okay. I have a few, so you got to give me a second here. No, you're good. You can list them all if you need to,
0: if you can't, if you don't want to rank them, unless you want to give them the official uh, CJ Frederick power rankings. It depends
1: on the food. Like, what am, what am I going for? Am I going for a burger? You can go for a burger. Uh, or if you get – okay, I mean, let's just – I think this I'll is the easiest burger, way to put it. Let me you know right now I'm going to shorts. Shorts? Yes. Okay. Yes.
0: Okay. So, let's go. You got one meal in Iowa City. Where are you going to go get and what are you going to get? One meal in Iowa City.
1: There's just so many good ones. I was thinking Monica's. That's got to be up on that list. Yeah, Monica's is good. Uh, The chicken parm is really good. I think if there was one meal I was going to go to, I'm a big barbecue guy. I would go to Moses. Okay. I would get the pulled pork with ribs mac and cheese, and uh, baked beans. So you're going all in, though. You oh, got yeah. one meal. You're going all in. I think they closed down. I
0: think they, they might have. I, I can't remember. But I mean, I think with the pandemic, they might have – because I think it was a pretty big story when they did. So I'm trying to remember if they did
1: or not. Uh, a go-to I'll go ahead. would definitely be Stella's because it's kind of – they have – it's like the same menu as Shorts for the burgers. Mm -hmm. But then they also have, um, like kind of bar food, pizza, really good pizza. Um, on Tuesdays they have the half price Cajun and I get the jambalaya. Okay. Really good. Yeah. So Stella's up there too.
0: So I got to ask you too, because I think this is for the sneaker heads out there. How good's your shoe game? What's your shoe collection look like?
1: In high school I had a lot. And right now I have, I have a pretty good collection. I love shoes. Um, let's see. I have the Taxi 12s. Um, I have the Gamma 11s. Um, I have a pair of the 4s. let um, Let's see. <laughs> 11 lows. Um, the opening – Their closing ceremonies. Well, yeah, I have a lot of – I have a lot of shoes, and I do enjoy collecting. Jordan's, um, yeah, I'm a sneakerhead. Who's who's got the best shoe game on the team? Uh, on its,
0: I would. I say think Jordan's is
1: pretty ridiculous, isn't it? Yeah, that's what I've seen, and at Iowa, TC has a really good collection. Tyler Cook, um, best shoe game though, I'd probably have to go with uh, Jabo. He doesn't rock him a lot, but he has them.
0: Yeah. I've seen Connor – I wish I could remember this pair. I saw him. I interviewed him after practice. Connor's got some dirty kicks, dude. He's not afraid to wear them, too, playing. No. I was like – he was telling me oh – I wish I could remember what pair it was, but he, he wore them in practice all the time, and it's got, like, the purple underneath, actually, and it was
1: – Yeah, Luca, Luca actually has some – he has some good ones, and Nico Hobbs does, too. Nico does, too? He got good foots, yeah. Okay, so you
0: know, again, I'm jumping around here before we again end this kind of rapid fire. When did you know Luca was going to just absolutely pop off last year? Because I'm not saying it came out of nowhere for people, but I mean the the amount of just consistent production that he he gave you guys last year. I mean, it was I mean it was historic in the Big Ten.
1: Yeah, saw you, you could tell like when he got out of that surgery, uh, I think with the cyst in his stomach you could just tell how much that helped him um, and allowed him to just work out more efficiently and play more efficiently. So ever, ever since after that surgery, he started working out again. I think everybody knew he was going to have like a really special year. Uh, he was just dominating in, pra- in practice in open gym. Um, any contested three was going in, anything around the rim was going in. I mean, you just, you had to send everybody at him if you wanted to, if you wanted to stop him. Um, and I just think that's a, and a testament to his work that he puts in. He works extremely hard. You can guarantee if you walk into the gym, he'll be there. Um, and he's a great – that's thats what you want. Um, you want someone like that on your team. Um, he's also a really good leader, so we're extremely happy to have him back.
0: So what was your favorite game from last year and why?
1: Uh, favorite game, there were so many. Um, I think Cincinnati was probably up there, wasn't it? I was going to say Cincinnati at United Center. Um, Obviously a little bit of bad blood there. Mm -hmm. And then having my entire family there. And then playing against some friends on the team. It was just a really really special moment for me and my family um, in a game that I I won't forget. But also I'd say at Iowa State, able to beat them there, which is really hard to do. Illinois at home, Michigan State – I mean, Michigan at home, also two really good games. And then Texas Tech, the way that game ended, it was fun.
0: Yeah, I'm sure. Because, I mean, that was kind of your quote-unquote arrival, though, too, at Iowa. I mean, once you hit that shot – like, you you put together some nice games before, but I think that shot was when people started being like, okay, he's actually here to stay. Like, this is – that was kind of his moment, right?
1: Yeah. You know, after that game, I had a little more confidence. Um Just uh, you know, I'm I'm meant to be here. I belong here. Um, And that was just a pretty big game going forward. I mean, was that
0: kind of the moment where, like, you felt like you're at Iowa and you're like, okay, I can actually play at this
1: level. I think those games early on, you know, I didn't really. I mean, I played really good. I played a lot of minutes, but I just really didn't, really didn't know where I fit in yet. I didn't know what I was going to bring to the team. Um, and I was just kind of trying to find that role still. And then, you know, Frank came up to me in a practice before that Texas Tech game, and he was like, I recruited you here because I believed in you. Um, I want you to be a guy that can just go get me a bucket. And ever since that moment, just having that confidence that coach had in me and that my teammates had in me, um, that's that was kind of the deciding moment. And then we went off to play Texas Tech, and I started to be a lot more aggressive. Um, and then I hit that big shot at the end of the game. And then that was kind of that moment, like, yep, I belong here. Uh, I always felt like I belonged here, but I, but that was the game where it really I was like, yeah, it's, it's time.
2: Wow.
0: What don't people know about Fran? Because, I mean, even when I started working at Iowa, you know, I started covering Iowa, and I've, I've gotten the chance to obviously talk to him on and off, you know, on the record and, and on the side conversations. I mean, he's a lot different than I expected, and I think the public has a lot of not, – not Iowa fans I'm talking about, but I mean, like, national media, national, you know, college basketball watchers. It seems like they really don't have an idea of who Fran is. So, I mean, trying to light on just kind of who he is.
1: I think the perception of Fran is just this hothead, really animated coach, which, I mean, he's animated, and that's what you want in a coach. You want a coach who's just going to have your back in any situation and uh, always have you in the best interest. But I don't. I think people don't understand is he is just such a player's coach. Um, and he really – he gets into you, yes, but he just lets you play. You know, there are t- – most – so we practice for about two hours and he sometimes won't, he just won't say a word sometimes. He just lets you figure it out. He lets you do your thing. If it gets sloppy, then he's going to let you know about it. And the one thing I love about Fran is he never makes anything personal. You know, when he's getting into you, it's never at you, it's to the team. Um, and he's just such a great guy and off the court. One thing I don't know if people understand is he's not a micromanager at all. Um, you know when it's time to work we work and then off the court he just lets you do your thing you know he doesn't bother you he's not don't do this don't do that don't do that he just has that respect um to let you do your thing and he's not going to be you know he's not going to be all over you telling you what time to go to bed do this do that he just lets you do your thing and um i think all the players on this team can appreciate that and they would say the same thing say would, players, coach sorry say yeah, Yeah, I would go to war for him anytime. time. I I love him to death. He's one of my favorite coaches I've ever played for.
0: And it seems interesting, though, too, because it seems like a lot of of you guys describe Fran the same way. Because what I've been told is you never have to question if he has your best interest. I mean, he'd give you the shirt off his back. I mean, he seems like the type of guy, like you said, I mean, he'd go to war for you guys.
1: I mean, you could blatantly do something so wrong and he will still have your back. Um, and that's just what you want in a coach like I keep saying um, someone who's just going to go to war for you and also someone who understands I feel like this this team has a certain type of swag um, and you know a lot of coaches sometimes who have been around the game a lot won't let you play kind of the way we play um, you we know, don't friend just that kind of that energy he has, you know, sometimes it gets the guys going. Like if we're playing bad and he lights us up um, in a timeout, you know, that gets us going. He just reads, he reads everything very well. Say, I think this past year, more
0: than any other year since I've, you know, since I watched Iowa basketball, he really picked the times to light into you guys. I mean, it worked, I think every single time last year yeah. when he really he, kind of lay into you.
1: Yeah. This team we worked extremely hard, and we hold ourselves to a very high standard. So if we made a mistake, it was clear. We knew, we knew we made a mistake, and he would let he would let you figure it out, which I love. Um, but if it ever got to a point where it was sloppy, like I think if, uh, the UC game, we had a pretty big lead, and then we just started turning it over left and right, and we let them back in the game. And we just needed, uh, honestly, a good, a good, uh, a good two minute um, ass chewing. Well, I asked you from France. That's just all for what it is. (laughs) So, I think
0: it's an interesting question. Somebody just submitted this. Uh, I mean, you guys basically have seven regular season starters coming back, which is it's crazy to say, but I mean, in reality, it's true. Uh, Are you? Do you think anyone on the team is nervous about? in terms of chemistry, with if the new guys have to get on the floor? Because you guys have played together so long now. I mean, the guys who are going to be significant contributors. Are you guys nervous about the chemistry of the new guys coming in when it's actually come time to, you know, play?
1: Uh, no, not at all. Um, I think with the experience this team has um, and the relationships we've all built, it's just going to be adding more pieces. Um, and we're going to find a way to make everything fit and the coaching staff is going to gel it all together and we're just going to get to work with them. And we have been already getting to work, and you can tell that there's, um, you know, we're hungry. Um, we're not satisfied with our last season, and we're not listening to any of the hype this year. Um, you can just tell with these first couple of days, you know, we're, we're ready to get at it. Um, and those five freshmen, you can tell, too, you know, they're, they're ready to get at it, too, so they're going to fit in really well.
0: Who's the best defender on the team? Besides me? I mean, you can say yourself. I know. Fran said you going into
1: last year. So well, I just, I just take a lot of, a lot of pride defensively because the coach I played for in high school, if you didn't guard, you didn't play. Um, if you didn't take charges, you were coming out of the game. Um, I remember, I don't know if it was you, but some media guy gave me a tough. Time. It Wasn't me. Someone gave me a tough time to playing defense, and I, I don't know. I don't much, but it is what it is.
0: Um. That's why I'm laughing. I remember because I was standing – I was there. I didn't ask the question, but I was standing right there when it happened.
1: Yeah, the best defender on the team. Um, I like guarding a lot. Like, I take a lot of pride in playing defense. Um, I like – it's almost like a – it's almost like a game within itself for me. Like, I just don't want to let my man score. Like, if I let him score, I'm like, shit. Like, I I don't like that. I don't like – when it's one-on-one, I don't want you to score on me. It's just kind of like a pride thing. Mm Mm-hmm. But Joe T is a very good defender. Um, he's low to the ground. He's quick He guards. So I would have to say Joe Tucson.
0: Speaking of him, too, I wanted to touch on this very quickly. Again, dude, I really appreciate the time you gave me at night. But uh,
1: what about Joe T? Because I think he's been
0: a pretty trendy pick to really kind of blow up this next season. I mean, he got a lot of experience last year. He came up big in quite a few games for you guys last year. But what have you kind of seen out of him out of the summer and just early workouts?
1: Yeah, you know, like I said, we're all hungry, and he's hungry. Um, he's someone who's you can guarantee he's going to bring it every day. You're going to get the same guy every day, and that's what I love about him. Um, great guy to be with, great person in general, but you know what he's going to bring to the table. He's going to bring in a, a tremendous amount of energy, um, and right when right when that ball's tipped, it's 100 miles an hour the whole game. Um, that's what I love about him. You know, he gets it, he goes. Um he's doing a great job now of picking the spots as coach says he's he knows when to go and he knows when not to go he knows when to probe uh, probe a little bit if if the big's there you know probably pull it out um, if he's not there then attack and I think he's just going to be like I said another weapon I mean he started um, I think almost most of the games last year like he's a starter he's had a yeah. whole year of experience um, so having him is I mean it's a big 10 point guard who's had a whole year under his belt I mean, you, I mean, you love that. And then Jordan Bohannon, who's been a three-year Big Ten starter. He's going to break three-point records in the Big Ten. You know, he's not getting a lot of, uh, talked about right now, but he's such a huge piece back. Um, just his leadership, um, the knowledge of the game. Um, we're just really excited to have him back as well.
0: So the outside, you talked about blocking out the hype, and I'll leave you with these last two questions for you to get out of here. What are your expectations for you guys this season? I mean, where, what's the ceiling? Where do you guys think you can go this year?
1: Yeah, um, after that Illinois game, we had our first team meeting, and the goals were set right away. It was a national championship. Nothing more, nothing less. That's what we want. I mean, that's what we're going to work for. Everyone agreed. What do you want? I think everybody said we want a national championship. The goals are a Big Ten championship and a national championship. Uh, we're not going to settle for anything less, and we're not going to work for anything less.
0: Give me three words that describe this year's team from your perspective. I know it's way early. It'll probably change, actually, once the game starts. What are three words you guys want to pride yourselves on this year? How would you describe this year's group? Connected. Swag committed perfect hey cj i again i really appreciate the time i know you're, you're pre-invested in this lakers rocket series i know you, you you and you and the team are a bunch of diehard lebron fans and uh i just want to say if anyone wants to
1: debate lebron or mj talk to me you know <laughs> me because i will talk lebron james is the goat and there is no questions about it what he's doing in year 17 is amazing
0: same way on the team, think it's MJ over LeBron or is everyone all LeBron?
1: I mean, there's some sides, uh, you know, there's some loyalty to the king and then there's some guys who don't think so. So there's a good mix. You you want to put
0: anyone on blast that thinks MJ is
1: better? Oh, man, I don't want – I'm not, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> they know. They know deep down. Silently shame them. They know, a.k.a. Chris Murray. Who knows? I to say anything more, but Chris Murray knows what I'm talking
0: about. All right, see, you had to put the freshman on blast at least a little bit, right?
1: He came at me. He came at me. LeBron had one get, one bad game in the bubble. It wasn't even a bad game. He's like, oh, he's not the GOAT. And then he comes back and has 29, 12, and 15.
0: Sure, he didn't say anything to you after about it, right? Oh, he was silent. He didn't know what to say. So, so you're telling me that that Kawhi Leonard's not as good as LeBron James?
1: No. No, <laughs> no I'm like say. in the NBA right now. It's not close.
0: No, I know. I just love watching all these people eat up Kawhi Leonard, and I'm like, yeah, no. I
1: mean, he's just, and honestly, he's held us to a much higher standard. Mm-hmm. You go on social media, LeBron yeah. has one bad game, oh, or the Lakers lose, oh my gosh, it just everybody loses their mind, but. Kawhi has one bad game. Nobody really talks about it. But that's just what he is. He's the king. He's held to a higher standard. He's the you
0: know, king. 33, 15, and 12, they lose. It's all how he choked in the last minute. Kawhi has 22 points and a win, and it's all Kawhi. <laughs> so, well, look, again, CJ, I, again, I appreciate the time, man. Uh, I kept you a little bit longer than, than probably you would have liked, but I, I, I really appreciate it. And now I know our listeners uh, appreciate
1: it too. Yeah, I had a lot, of, uh, a lot of fun with this, so I appreciate you having me. All
0: right, David Eichel, HawkeyeInsider.com. Stay tuned. It's going to be quite an exciting basketball season. Maybe we'll see a football season. I don't know at this point. It, you know, <laughs> It seems to go back and forth quite a bit. Uh, but, again, stay tuned to HawkeyeInsider.com for the latest and greatest and most complete Hawkeye coverage. Thanks for listening.
2: Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you.